Hi folks, in this video I'm going to share with you what I learned after 15 years of dealing with chronic pain, how you can avoid my mistakes and the lessons you can use to finally get better. Hi folks, in this video I'm going to basically give you a bit of a, basically talk about my own experience of 15 years of being in pain, sort of document that, go through it and give you some lessons along the way my major epiphanies along those 15 years and still to this day, what I'm learning about pain, how to overcome pain, and sort of wrap up with the major lessons, the major take home points, because hopefully I think that, I think what I see all the time is that people are in pain and they have this whole story, this whole life that's built around their pain and they're sort of focused on and they're focused on the diagnosis, they're focused on I slipped my disc or I've got this herniation at L4, L5 or whatever it is and that's divorced from their life and you can't, I don't think you can actually legitimately treat pain without understanding the greater context, you can't actually resolve the issue, you can dampen it, you can diminish it and you can keep going and that's that's great but if you genuinely want to resolve the issue, then you need to look at the, the greater context and that's what I'm interested in. So obviously if you're not interested in that, uh, this isn't the video for you, but um, if you want to get to the bottom of things and you are interested in your health, then that's what we're going to look at today. So I'm going to give you, yeah, basically my story, how I dealt with pain for 15 years. So it's not 15 years straight of constant pain, but it is there in about 15 years from the onset of my first significant injury or health issue and dealing with all of that to, and getting to a point where I was finally free of that and able to do the things that I want. Um, so yeah, so I'll begin with when I was nine, I had Lyme's disease, which is a, basically it's a, it's a tick bite and you get all sorts of symptoms. It can be very different. For me, it was mainly arthritic symptoms in my left ankle. Uh, I lived in Switzerland at the time and it took months to, to figure out what it was. And there was lots of tests. I spent a lot of time in hospital, in and out. They sent eventually. And, and the, the reason it was hard to diagnose is because it's quite a rare, it's not so rare now, but it's quite a rare, it was quite a rare condition at the time and they i didn't have the telltale signs of it initially usually you get a tick bite and then you get what's uh, called a bullseye uh, rash and i didn't have that so it was very much in retrospect that they were able to say that it was lyme disease based on the tests they had done so they sent my blood samples to a special clinic in zurich and eventually i had lyme disease so uh, basically over the course of about three years, I went through all sorts of treatments, uh, biopsy, intravenous IV, uh, intravenous um, antibiotics. And by the end of it, I was, you know, f clear of it. I no longer had Lyme's disease, but I had a left leg that was half the size of my right leg because I was hopping on my right leg the whole time. At that age, not, not really a big issue but perhaps it, it would become quite a significant issue because those imbalances were never addressed. You know, at that age, they don't really give you physio or, or physical therapy or occupational therapy to rehabilitate that. They just kind of say, well, you know, you're young, you'll be fine. And uh, that was it. And then I, I dealt with just kind of standard teenage issues like bad skin, that sort of stuff. Not so much pain at that point. Um, I used to play ice hockey and back then you played it in Switzerland, but then I'd moved to Ireland and you don't really play it in Ireland. So we played roller hockey, but it was a couple of years before I started playing roller hockey. And once I started playing that, I injured my hips and it was just really bad sciatic pain um, on both sides. Um, and that was sort of a standard story of suddenly I've got this really sharp pain okay, we'll go to, the, go to the hospital, they'll do an x-ray, they won't find anything because there's nothing structurally wrong, they'll give you crappy stretches that don't do anything, you'll spend 20 minutes in total between getting an x-ray and seeing a consultant physio, 
and that didn't do anything and I just kind of kept playing but the pain wasn't getting any better it would keep coming back and sort of this is sort of a, an important point and maybe it's something that you've experienced yourself is that I got to a point that uh, growing up I was very much into music my two big things I was into were music I love playing music play guitar and just hockey ice hockey uh, the outdoors hiking I had grown up in Switzerland going hiking all the time I love that sort of thing and I uh, for whatever reason I sort of had this idea that they were two distinct things that I, that were ultimately separate um, I don't really know why that's that's a discussion for another day in terms of beliefs and, and all that sort of stuff but I basically came to a point where I decided that I had to choose one or the other because I was never going to be able to play hockey again and I just sort of decided this myself I hadn't been told this by a physio or a doctor or anything but the pain wasn't getting better and I had done the thing that you do when you're in pain I'd seen the top authority on that which is a doctor and then a physio and as far as I knew I was 15 or 16 at the time like why would I question that and my mother why would she question that you know um, we went we did the right thing and so I, I sort of decided well not in so many words but I decided that if there's nothing that can be done because clearly there isn't because they don't have a solution then I can no longer do sports so that was kind of a like a, a significant time around 15 16 where I just sort of cut off the active part of uh, part of me and focus entirely on my music writing music and that was great and, and all that but I always wanted to go back playing sports but anytime I did the pain would resurface uh, at its at its worst around that time in school I remember I would uh, I would bring a little pillow to uh, to class and I would sit on my pillow because we sit on those hard plastic chairs and uh, without that it was quite sore um, but at that age you don't really make much of it you, you don't really get too bogged down in it like, and it was never that bad but it was just sort of constant and there was always something and I think that the big picture of it is really that I've had one significant thing and it's all kind of spiraled and it was never really looked at properly which is what brings me to this point but I'll, I'll get to that in a bit so um, 16 I'm dealing with sciatic pain eventually I went to college and I got into rugby there and the physio for the rugby team did an assessment for me because I, would, I started training and wasn't really able to, would always get injured and did an assessment with him and he was like, this is kind of bad looking back, but he, he was just saying that I was a mess, which, which didn't really help and he, he, I'm sure he had, has a lot to learn in terms of bedside manner, but he was actually, he was actually very good in, in a lot of respects looking back, but he was very blunt about where I was lacking, what the issue was problem was is it wasn't really explained to me or uh, maybe I shouldn't blame him but there was something there that he didn't explain it well enough and I wasn't able to receive the information well enough and he left me with like 20 exercises they weren't like explained to me it was a list written out of do this and move your leg that way and then hold it that way and it made no sense to me and I just stopped doing that and I just sort of stopped doing rugby but this is sort of the time when I sort of got into investigating my own health because I'm now in college I'm living on my own I have to look after myself and so you just start googling things you just start looking into things I came into contact with an osteopath my godmother um, put me in touch with an osteopath in France when I was visiting her and he was excellent uh, he gave me a lot of advice treated me but I was only ever there for like a week at a time so I couldn't do that much but I learned a lot um, about understanding the body as a whole and how it was all really connected so I was beginning to get this idea that you know there was more to it than my my hip pain at the time and and the, the thing with the pain is that it was always sort of jumping around um, I dealt with over those 15 years I dealt with pain in both of my feet both of my hips my left knee uh, both my shoulders, my left wrist and thumb, my neck was really bad as well. So I dealt with all sorts of things. Anyway, this sort of set off investigation on my own. Uh, first year of college, I got back into sports, but then I had to stop. I had to stop because I 
I, I couldn't understand what the physio was telling me and I wasn't getting better and I just sort of gave up um, and I tried lots of different therapies. I went to physios, I went to acupuncturists, I went to osteopaths and they were all different and they all had a different answer and this all sort of culminates with one day in third year of college or no. I did a couple of degrees, so it was somewhere, I was in college for like seven years, somewhere towards the middle of that, I spontaneously, my knee, I was at dinner with friends, we, we'd host, um, call it fajita night, every Wednesday at the time, and we'd eat, uh, actually burritos, but we call it fajita night, and my knee just sort of was swollen out of nowhere, and it doubled in size, and that was weird wasn't pleasant it was sore but I went to bed and then I woke up because I was in so much pain and I couldn't move my knee and I went to the um, emergency room and that was sort of standard emergency room experience of five hours waiting for nothing to happen I was delirious with the pain I was in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk and I was actually almost fainting with the pain and people were actually in the waiting room were sort of like you know are you okay uh, so it was really bad and eventually I get an x-ray and the doctor just drained um, fluid from my knees, yellow fluid, about a Coke can's worth, so about 300 mils of yellow fluid from my knee. And I was like, so, you know, what's wrong with my knee? And he was, I don't remember exactly, but what, what he said was that I had arthritis. But what I do remember was that the way it was explained to me was almost, he had an air of like, I don't really know, but yeah, it seems to be arthritis. And that was it. And at that point, I see this as kind of a significant point as well, a significant, I could have gone either way. Because I started to look into things a bit, I didn't accept that diagnosis and I didn't accept that sort of, you know, it's just arthritis because, you know, you spontaneously get arthritis when you're 22 or 23 or whatever age I was. And I didn't accept that. Had I accepted that, that would have been, here's some medication, this is a lifelong illness, arthritis, you can't do anything about it. That's a topic for another day, but you know, you can't do anything about arthritis. And so I, that really, really kicked things into gear for me in terms of looking into my health, started Googling a lot, nutrition, for whatever reason, I, I seem to think, well, there must be something nutritional there, uh, partially because my diet was crap in college and it happened sort of surrounding quite an indulgent meal. Um, so I started looking into things. Eventually I, I found a naturopath who treats things through, um, yeah, through nutrition and supplements, that sort of thing. Went to see him. He, at the time I thought he was great and I think he was good. I just think he had crappy information. I think he was wrong. He was good in the sense that he looked at the bigger picture, but the information he was working from was inaccurate. So his heart was in the right place, we'll say, and he meant really well, and he was good at what he did, but what he did ultimately wasn't actually that good. Um, so I went to him, I had my blood tests. He could see, you know, oh, it's C-reactive protein is high. That's a sign of inflammation. You've got really high inflammation in your body. He drew me some charts of insulin spikes and all this kind of stuff. It was all very compelling and it made sense. And basically he put me on this very low carbohydrate diet, gave me a list of supplements to try, uh, including fish oil, a lot of antioxidants, all these things. And that's sort of when I went all into the whole healthy thing. You know, I was very much into health and I, I am now, but it looks different. And so I bought, I bought the fish oils, I bought the supplements. Uh, I was doing a very low carbohydrate diet. So I was eating high fat, a lot of nuts, a lot of seeds, meat, um, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fibrous vegetables, very little fruit, no starches, you know, because they'll kill you, that sort of thing. <clears throat> and my pain got better. Swelling went down. Um, my joint pain definitely got better at that time. And that was this sort of like, it seemed really good. And it was, it appeared to be good for a while. Around this time, I was doing a lot. I got a job in a health food shop. I was in college. I was cycling 
like seven kilometers per day. No, seven kilometers each way. So like 14 kilometers per day, six to seven days a week. I was in college four days a week and then working like three and a half days. So yeah, we're looking at six to seven days flat out. But I was really healthy. I was drinking loads of water. I was drinking green tea. I didn't drink coffee because back then coffee wasn't as healthy as it appears to be now. You know, we weren't onto the whole coffee thing yet. Uh, coffee still had a bit of like, is it good? Is it bad? Uh, I didn't drink coffee. I still don't because it tastes crap. And I didn't drink because I just don't drink. And basically I was so healthy. I was tremendously healthy. I did all the right things and I cycled everywhere. And people always commented on how healthy I was. But I still dealt with a lot of pain uh, at that point. That sort of developed um, again, uh, dealing with back pain, dealing with the hip issues. As well, at this time, I, I hadn't really gotten back into sports. Um, my, my overall health was better, quality of life was better, but I wasn't back into sports yet. Um, and so, I'm dealing with intermittent things, back pain kind of comes up. The worst at that time was my foot, plantar, well, it wasn't, I don't think it was plantar fasciitis, but it would have been self-diagnosed as plantar fasciitis. It felt like what people call plantar fasciitis, but basically very sharp pain in my heel. Couldn't put weight on my foot. You know, first thing in the morning, those first few steps were like, were like being stabbed in the foot you know, really, really sore. If you've ever experienced that sort of thing, it's awful. And so I was dealing with all that. I was in college and I'm investigating, investigating, but I'm very much, I'm doing all the right things. I, I say that in inverted commas because I, you know, I was following the gurus. I was following, you know, Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof, whatever. I was doing the paleo thing and like, I was doing what you're supposed to do. Like I had no reason to do anything different, um, but it wasn't working. And this all sort of came to a head when I, I was in college. So basically out of nowhere, I was doing a degree in psychology. I sort of decided at some point I'm going to become a physical therapist because I need to, I need to figure this out. And throughout all this time, I'm trying physio, I'm trying acupuncture, I'm trying osteopath, I'm just trying anything. And I make some progress, I get worse in other ways, but I'm never really making meaningful progress. You know, you, you, f you get relief from the treatment, but you walk out the door the next day and you're, you're back to square one. So very much in that management phase of, of being in pain and not actually making progress and not having any ownership of my, of my pain. So basically I'm studying psychology I'm working, you know, three and a half days part-time in a, in a shop, in a health food shop, and I'm learning all about health foods and supplements and become very knowledgeable on that. And I'll do a separate podcast on my experience of working in a health food shop. And, and the, the short version of that is don't buy anything from a health food shop. But um, I'm doing all that and I'm cycling every day. And, and then I suddenly I decide, look, I'm going to study physical therapy. And it all sort of materialized out of nowhere. It was kind of uh, you know, it was fate or something, you want to put it that way. I found a course that I could do because it was part-time some evenings of the week and I had some inheritance money and I just signed up and that was it. So uh, I signed up like a month before and I hadn't thought about it and I just, that was it. And so I was in college Monday to Thursday, working Thursday night and then Friday to Sunday and then I was in college Monday nights and that was me for a couple of years. I did my final year of psychology, doing physical therapy as well, and I just absolutely ran myself into the ground. Uh, but again, doing all the right things and being really healthy, being really active, drinking lots of water, uh, drinking green shakes. I'd put anything into a blender and I'd drink it. It was awful and it tasted awful and I knew it tasted awful, but I did it because, you know, you know, I'm committed to my health. You know, you'd hate to, you'd hate to, put off something healthy because it tastes like crap, but I did all that and my college performance suffered in psychology. Basically, I wasn't, don't tell my mother, but I wasn't showing up to college. I even got a phone call one day from one of the lecturers because I'd always been, been a good student. I always showed up, I always did well, and then suddenly I'm not showing up 
And the lecturer called me saying, you know, hey, are you okay? How are things? Why aren't you in college? Uh, and I was just like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, because I was fine. I thought I was fine. But I just wasn't going because partially they didn't take attendance and everything was online, the lecture notes, so I could get away with it. But I ran myself into the ground and the next epiphany, the next turning point was that I just, again, always Googling, always finding new things. And I don't know how I found this one, to be honest, but I found a type of therapy. It was called core therapy. I'd never heard of it. It sounded fancy, it sounded cool. It was partially inspired by Chinese medicine. It had traditional physio elements, which you know spoke my language and all this. And I went, I booked into a session uh, with the therapist there, excellent therapist actually to this day. Um, he's one of the people I recommend, I you know refer people to. And he explained things and, uh, oh yeah, I forgot to say, at this time I was doing intermittent fasting because that's really healthy, you know, that's the thing you do. You basically don't eat for half the day. So I, I would eat my last meal around 7, 8 p.m. and then I wouldn't eat till lunchtime, you know, because I needed to lose weight apparently or I needed to be healthier for whatever reason. And so I went to him and he started asking me about my diet and this, that and the other. And he kind of explained to me like, and this is a hugely important concept that I use to this day. He said, not, not in these words, but basically in my own words, you have a health tank, you have a bank account, which has a thousand euro in it. And your cost of living is 1500 euro. So you're constantly running at a deficit because you don't have the energy because you don't have the cash in the bank account to fund your life so my life is working seven days a week cycling 14 kilometers a day on those obviously i stopped going to college so that wasn't happening but it wasn't happening because i, I was just running myself into the ground but point being i was doing too much and so that's my cost of living and i don't have enough to fund that lifestyle like crazy lifestyle and then he explained that basically when this happens stress hormones are released all this happens and you get pain and you get all these sorts of issues and he started doing all these tests and showing like how what was going on in my organs was related to how my muscles were contracting i had all sorts of gut issues and i knew that but he was connecting them in a very tangible way in a very palpable way to my physical pain and to my structural issues. And that was a major turning point for me. And what I gained most of all from that therapy and that those encounters was that I was given tools to manipulate my health in a, in a sort of meaningful way and in a productive way. Around this time, I, I was reading more online. I'd found different researchers and things were starting to make a bit more sense. So I got onto the work of uh, Ray Pete. He's a biologist and he talks very much about stress. And he was at the complete opposite of what I'd been doing, which is the, the low carb, you know, loads of green vegetables, fasting, you know, drinking lots of water, all that stuff that you, you still see to this day. He was at the opposite end. And it just made a lot of sense, but most of all, his governing principle was perceive, think, act. So don't do my diet, don't take these supplements, don't, you know, do this thing. Simply measure your body, do something and see what happens. So it's basically an experiment, a self-experiment. And this was a huge turning point for me. So I gained the tools to actually measure my health, you know, to measure it in objective means to say, well, what's, what's my heart rate doing? What's my heart rate? What's my uh, body temperature doing? What's my metabolism like? Am I able to convert my food into energy? And these were real things. It wasn't like, you know, like, like most, most health, recommendations are they're not grounded in anything concrete or real they're like hey kale is really high in whatever so eat it great and then you eat it and you feel good because you i don't know you feel like you're doing a good thing and you're in with the crowd and there's all sorts of 
psychosocial reasons for that and you maybe feel good because you're high in adrenaline because your body's like what is this you know get it out of me uh, i need energy i don't need like i don't need rabbit food and so you feel great because you're on you're running on stress hormones adrenaline and cortisol and you, you don't really have anything concrete to measure your health you're just going off you're going off what instagram tells you instagram wasn't a thing back then i wasn't on it but you know you know what i mean you're going off what the internet tells you so i got into measuring my health and this was yeah this is the major turning point i was eating more and i was feeling okay about eating more i wasn't feeling guilty about eating more i wasn't thinking that i was a bad person for eating more i wasn't thinking that i was a bad person for satisfying cravings you know before this point i was one of those people who thought sugar was bad for you sugar was addictive it's like cocaine or whatever they say these days i believed all that and because well why wouldn't i because that's what everyone on the internet tells you um so i believed all that and suddenly i was beginning to realize that that's stupid it's it's so stupid uh, and i understand if you still believe that don't worry but you kind of have to chip away at that belief but i realized how nonsensical it was and it was explained to me properly and most important the the, the key factor in this was that i was ultimately determining things i was in control my health was changing because of me and because of the decisions I was making and because of my ownership and because I was monitoring things and I was saying, okay, I ate this and my body temperature did this and I was tracking that over time and I was changing my calories and I was seeing real changes and my sleep was improving, my skin was improving. I had this really bad like rash that just kind of appeared, you know, because these things spontaneously happen when you're doing healthy things and my pain reduced and my breathing improved. Um, so yeah, the, 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 basically the, the moral of the story is that this was the, the start of me being in control and someone telling me that my health was within my hands. Because up until this point, and it sounds really stupid to me now because I'm like, well, that makes no sense. But up until that point, I've, on some level, maybe not even consciously because I never really said it, but I felt I needed to be fixed. I needed to go to my osteopath who needed to put my pelvis because my pelvis is, to this day, my pelvis is slightly rotated to the left, to so the right, it's a bit forward. Well, I know now that that doesn't matter, um, but my pelvis was like that back then and it still is like that now. And I needed my osteopath to like knock that back into place and suddenly i didn't need that because first of all that makes no difference and also anything that was going to make any meaningful change and improvement to my health was within my grasp was within my power uh, so i got into nutrition uh, in a in a better way in a healthier way and it looked completely counterintuitive to uh, what you'll see all over Instagram, if you look up hashtag whatever, hashtag FitFam or hashtag Foodstagram, you know, it wasn't seeds, it wasn't green things, it was food that I could digest, that my body could use and produce energy and produce the right hormones from so that I could sleep and then I was sleeping properly so all of that stuff was happening properly and I was getting the right hormonal changes and the right recovery and my health was just improving overall i did have one persistent issue though at that point that really really yeah really persisted and that was my sharp pain in my foot i would get relief but not lasting relief it wouldn't be resolved and so this is all happening over months and it's all a bit convoluted and the timeline doesn't really matter the point is that it's a big mess and I made it out of that mess, and so can you. Uh, but I, I eventually studied core therapy, which this therapist, uh, which I experienced through this therapist. I learned a lot from that, discarded a lot from that, and that's a lesson that I'll touch on at the end. Um, and then I studied anatomy in motion. It was, it was sort of buzzing around forums or fora 
um, that I'd follow, all the therapists that I wanted to be more like, that I wanted to emulate, they were talking about anatomy and motion. And so I signed up and it was all about foot mechanics and I was dealing with persistent foot issues on both of my feet. So I was like, this is definitely for me. And basically a couple of years of really sharp pain in my right foot was resolved after four days of movement exploration. So anatomy and motion, we learned the biomechanics and then we experienced the biomechanics. We experienced how the movement of the foot ripples up the body. And basically the, the way it's taught is you're in a room with like 30 people and it's like almost like a group exercise session. Um, I shouldn't even say that to be honest because it doesn't do it justice and it makes it sound crap. Uh, so I take that back. But basically you're in a room with 30 people or so. Gary and Chris, they teach the course excellently. And they're guiding you through the movements. They're, it's all very mindfulness based. It's, you know, you move something subtly. What's changing? What happens up the body? You know, what do you feel? And you're just, you're just exploring. You're just reconnecting with your bones. You're reconnecting with your body and how it moves. And four days of that. And suddenly I'm, I no longer have that sharp pain in my foot and in the heel, my right heel. And just to, to be very clear about this, I tried a lot of stuff for this. I, I even, because I'd sleep and when I'd wake up in the morning, my foot would be, you know, sort of pushing down, like, like you're revving a car. It would be plantar flexed. And I couldn't pull my, my foot up. You know, when you need to walk, you need to have your uh, a right angle at your, at your ankle. And I couldn't do that because as soon as I'd lengthen those muscles, I'd have that sharp pain. So I'd fashioned like a sock, uh, a few socks that would basically pull my, my foot into this, you know, right angle position while I slept, which would diminish the pain a bit first thing in the morning because I'd have a slightly better starting point. So that, that, that was my life leading up to, uh, leading up to uh, this course. And then suddenly it's gone. Um, and that was it. And it was basically, and my thinking up until that point is that this pain is so sharp, it's so significant that there must be something physically torn uh, because plantar fasciitis, you think, is a, a, a tear in the ligaments and the tissues of the heel going into the sole of the foot. And that is a legitimate condition, but most people don't actually have that or the, the damage isn't actually the driving factor. So I had um, that, that, that suddenly disappeared and it made no sense. And basically, I suppose I'll talk about why that happened. And I, I want to be careful about saying, like, I'm raving about anatomy and motion because it's excellent. But I don't want you thinking, like, okay, well, then anatomy and motion is a solution to my pain. It could well be because it is an excellent therapy. But well, it's an excellent thought process. It's a thought process. Um, but what it was is that I had lived up until this point, roughly 14 years, um, slowly disconnecting from my body, slowly losing, losing my connection to myself. And that sounds really weird and hippie and it's not, it's not, I'm going to stand by that. I'd lost awareness of my body. I'd lost control. I'd lost ownership of my joints and of how my body moves. And in those four days of anatomy and motion, I'd regained a fraction of that. And it was enough of a fraction that my brain now had all, all this new information. Because up until that point, my brain is thinking, well, there's something wrong with that foot. Every time I move it, it gets sore. So don't move that foot. And that foot is a compensation from, you know, 10, 12 years of other stuff happening. So basically over, over this time, my brain is, has all these beliefs. Oh, your pelvis is twisted your knee is arthritis, your um, whatever else, all sorts of things. You're, you're at a flat foot. My left foot was flat, uh, which doesn't matter, but uh, which doesn't matter now, but it mattered at the time, you know, in terms of what my, my unconscious mind thought. So I have all these beliefs about my body and how fragile it is. And my experience was that anytime I do sports, I hurt myself. Anytime I do active things, I hurt myself. Um, so this is what, this is the template that my brain is running off. 
and I spend four days reconnecting to my body in a safe environment. And now I've got new information because my, my, I've moved that foot again in a safe way. And I've convinced my brain that, oh, actually, it is safe. It's okay. There, there aren't tears here. There is no damage here. You're not broken. You, you can relax. And so suddenly I have much clearer information. My brain is can just, it's like a weight off your shoulders. And <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining this properly. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're basically, it's like, yeah, uh, hopefully that makes sense. Let me know if that doesn't make sense. I'll explain it better uh, in another video or in the comments. So suddenly I have a better representation of my body. I have more control, I have more awareness. And with more awareness, I can, I can sort of let go. I, this, this is an, an analogy. It's like, you know, in Home Alone, he goes into the basement and the, it's like the dryer or whatever, the hot press, whatever it is, and it goes and it, it lights up and it's loud and it looks like a monster and he, he gets terrified. So that's what my brain feels when it moves my foot because it has all these associations and when it moves many parts of my body because it has all these associations. Four days of movement and just mindful movement in general in a, in a in a safe environment is like that moment where Kevin goes to the basement in Home Alone and turns on the light. So the, the, the washing machine or whatever it is, it starts acting up, it starts lighting up and it's scary and he turns on the light and he sees it. That's just a washing machine. That's not, that's not a monster. It's not going to hurt me. And it's like, that's fine. It dispels that myth or whatever, dispels that idea. And that was it. That was what I experienced in a nutshell, in a, in a, in a weird nutshell. Uh, that's what I experienced through four days of anatomy in motion. And so I got like 85% better because I had other issues uh, as well. That was my main issue with my right foot. And the next module is three modules at the time. They do it, they do it differently now. But at the time it was three modules. The next module was like three, two or three months later and I did that. And that was it. My, both my feet were better. They were great. And so much more of my body improved, back pain, shoulder issues, everything. And I was like, just like that. Uh, and around this time, a big thing that, that, that came, a thing that came to prominence online was this idea of pain science. And I was doing a mentorship, a physio mentorship um, and we talked a lot about pain science and I basically, this is when I formally was taught, which is, I wasn't even taught this in college, which is crazy. Um, but that's beginning to change. But this was the case back then that ultimately the, the pain is created by the brain. Uh, all pain is generated by the brain, no matter whether it's a gunshot wound, a paper cut, a sprained ankle or a phantom limb pain or touching a hot stove. All pain is created by the brain and we can manipulate that if we can work with the brain rather than against the brain. And if we can sort of modulate stress, if we can drop stress overall, like very generally we can reduce pain. Um, we can go in a lot more detail, a lot more specific and individual, but at a very general level, we can manipulate pain. And one of the big things that, that stood out for me was the lesson that up until my anatomy and motion experience, I sort of believed that my body was broken. Not in so many words, but you know, I thought my body wasn't very good. You know, it's not a very good body. Um, and what was I gonna say? Yeah, I basically thought I had all this damage. And now I, uh, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. I had all of this damage, but I had good days and bad days. I had days when the pain wasn't that bad. And then I had days when the pain was terrible. It was excruciating. Uh, and also other symptoms would flare up. And at the time, this didn't make as much sense to me. But I understood now that if, if the pain can change that much, just like that, then that's a really strong indication that the brain is driving the pain 
or that the, the, your body's overall condition is driving the pain. Because suppose you, you break your arm, you have an actual fracture in your arm. That, that fracture heals, but it heals very gradually. It doesn't heal loads and then get bad again and then heal loads again and then get bad for a couple of days and then heal for half the day. It doesn't go up and down like that. It heals at a different, the pain affects you at a different rate. So the ability for it to go up and down is a very clear indication that this was being driven by my body's internal state, by my metabolism, by my stress hormones, by my heart rate and well, not directly my heart rate, but uh, by basically how my body was at that time. Uh, so one of the major lessons, long story short, the, ma the major lesson from this time is that to deal with pain, we need to address the brain and we need to address how the brain perceives its, its own body. We need to have a, a more accurate representation of what our body is. So like I said before, anatomy and motion, the filter that I'm running through, the template that I'm running through is I have a crappy body, I've got a twisted pelvis, I've got a flat foot, I've got a plantar fasciitis, I've got arthritis in my knee, all that. And now the template I'm working from is that, first of all, even if I had all those things, even if I had physical damage to some of these areas, that can and will heal and likely has healed by this point. But also, even if it hasn't healed, that doesn't mean I have to feel pain because the pain has more to do with how my brain interprets it than the actual damage. Um, and I've got other videos on that. I don't want to go too much into the pain science, but that was the major, major lesson, <clears throat> major lesson from that. And um, the next sort of thing I, I learned, and this is one thing that I, I hold to this day and that I find really valuable, was the power of breathing. So what I learned is that we need to interact with the nervous system. So I say nervous system, I mean the brain and nervous system. So the brain and all the nerves that come out from it and reach out to your fingertips and toes and help you feel and perceive the world and help control your body. So we need to interact with the nervous system and we have our fight or flight mode, our survival mode, uh, and then we have our rest and digest mode, sort of opposites and we can modulate that, we can fade in. I talk about fading in. So you don't switch off, you don't switch on things. You just kind of tip the scales a bit more one way. You can think of a dimmer switch. Switch. I fade in my rest and digest state and suddenly, and this is the big lesson, the body is self-healing and self-organizing. So I'd started to get this idea from studying core therapy and getting a lot of benefits from eating more, basically eating more, because I was, you're putting more resources into the body, and now the body has, it has the cash to fund your life. Um, so that was one side of it, but then the other side of it was that I needed to be in a rest and digest state, I needed to be in a calm state, because I needed to be able to digest the food, I needed to be able to make use of it. So it wasn't enough to just have the energy there. I need to be able to make the most of it. And I learned a lot about that through breathing and studying um, various forms of breathing. And this is why I go on about it all the time. Just learn how to breathe. I can't, I can't say that in any simpler terms. Gain control of, um, of your lungs. Of controlling your lungs a lot of people like treat they come in and you'll say usually start by just you know just relax just lie down just let go of any any tension and they're still breathing very fast and they're relaxed as far as they think or as far as they're concerned but their body is is not relaxed it it is somewhat agitated at a very low level but it's it's um you know it's sort of on edge it's very shallow breathing very uh, fast breathing and what I would recommend to you is, and this is what I learned and what I think is so useful, is learn to master your breathing. Learn to be able to regulate the rate of it so that you can inhale very slowly and gradually 
over like five seconds, over like 10 seconds and a natural pause and then just let that empty. So you're not like, so you're basically in control of your breathing. Um, so the, the, that was one of the major epiphanies. So the major epiphanies were eating enough for me and the how my entire, the entire functioning of my body was related to my pain, my organs. How is my small intestine doing? How's my stomach doing? How's my liver doing? How does that relate to my body? Um, and you, you don't even have to worry about that, but basically understand that it's relevant. Um, and the next thing was learning that the brain controls everything and pain is governed by the brain. And if we can have, if the brain has more accurate information from its environment, it can not be so on edge. It can forget old, old beliefs. Perhaps you have the belief that you've slipped a disc or that you've herniated a disc. And maybe that happened years ago. And I'll tell you now, if that happened years ago, it is likely healed. And even if it, even if it hasn't healed, it doesn't mean that you need to experience pain because we, we can't with any confidence say that pain is, is related to the tissue damage of your spine. And there's tons of research for this. It's very clear. Um, so that was the next major lesson is that it's more so about the brain than it is about the physical structure. The next thing was breathing is my control switch. It's my dimmer switch for my brain's response. Um, and I think that's, I think that's largely, largely it. I have some notes. I'm going to check my notes. Okay. This is, an extra lesson that, that I learned along the way um, that I think is important to mention. It's the idea that I mentioned earlier that anatomy anatomy and motion, which is a, a methodology, uh, helped me a lot. And then core therapy helped me a lot. And I wanna really stress the point that I don't think it was really those therapies. It was the experience that I was afforded through a therapist that delivered that therapy. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend core therapy to someone, but I would recommend the interaction that I had with Paul O'Regan, the core therapist, and he's an acupuncturist as well, because it wasn't just that he delivered a certain type of treatment or adjustment or fix to me. It's that we had a certain interaction is that we we got along, we had a good rapport. And to this day, he's, I consider him one of my mentors. And this is many years later. That's really what did it because I've tried all the therapies, I've done it all. And I can say with confidence that it's not the therapy. Some therapies are better than others, absolutely. And I have ones that I recommend and I have ones that I, yeah, that I think are better for specific reasons, but really it was hugely about understanding those core principles that I am in control, that I need to control my internal state to facilitate healing. And as long as I don't do that, nothing is going to change. No amount of adjustments, no amount of massage, no amount of whatever dry needling is going to change that unless until I take ownership of my internal state, which I am 100% in control of. Um, nothing's going to change. The therapy is about the rapport you can build and the window of healing it can offer you. So largely why therapies work is because you get an hour off to just relax and to be pampered or, or whatever, or to feel like you are being fixed. Like if you go in, um, if you go into a, like a deep tissue massage therapist and you believe you've got knots, in your back and all sorts, and that he's going to, or he or she is going to go in and iron out those knots and break up that scar tissue. And you enjoy that even though it's sore and you're like, oh great, yeah, keep going. That feels good. And at the end you're, you're in pain, but it's like good pain. If you believe that, then you're going to get a certain amount of benefit from that. I will not get the same amount of benefit from that because I can think of nothing worse than someone digging their elbow into my hamstring because they're trying to break up adhesions and knots because I know that that's crap and that's not actually happening. 
spoiler alert, that's not what that's not what's happening. And I know that, so I would not respond the same way to that kind of treatment as someone who's bought into that idea. Um, so the rapport you have, the beliefs you have surrounding the treatment are really important. So don't focus on the latest modality. And I learned that from studying these modalities, not just receiving them. I wanted to be the best physical therapist ever. Um, and so I looked up therapies and I was like, okay, this one, core therapy, I'm gonna do that because that helped me. And I studied it and it was effective. But then when I went into the real world and started trying to use it with people um, who didn't know what, what I was doing, it didn't work as well. And I had to just grasp at that. And every therapist should grasp at that. Some of them don't. But you just kind of have to realize, well, okay, what I think I'm doing isn't happening. So uh, keep, keep searching and keep looking. So I, I've, always, I've often been looking for the next best therapy. And I've studied some excellent therapies. And what I've learned from, uh, from all that is that it's not that much about the therapy. There are definitely therapies that are good, absolutely, and some are clearly better than others. You know, if you have a group of them, I can definitely say that that one's the best of those, uh, or that one's the most complete, but it's very much about personal ownership and creating the environment within yourself to facilitate healing, because your body knows how to heal. If you get a paper cut, that heals on its own. You don't need to focus on it. You don't need to say, heal. You don't need to do that. It happens. Obviously that's a paper cut, that's something small, but all, all manner of injuries and wounds will heal on their own essentially, or they're trying to heal on their own and maybe they need a bit of a helping hand, but that process, the actual healing process occurs on its own and it's being driven by the body's automatic processes. So your body knows what to do, but it doesn't have the resources to do that. And it's being held back by beliefs and old, yeah, old beliefs that keep you stuck. And these beliefs can be anything from my, my spine. I've slipped a disc. I've got a, I've got a herniation on my disc. I've got flat feet and it can be a belief of I don't deserve to get better. Therefore, I don't actually take the steps to get better. Who am I to get better? Um, I'll never get better. And that can be rooted in the language that the language that is used by a doctor, by a surgeon. You come in, you've got a bad injury and they're like, "Ooh, I've never seen anything like this. This is pretty bad. You know, don't get your hopes up. And that's quite mild. They might even say, you'll never play again, or don't twist, or they'll, they'll say something that's like a thought virus. And you can filter your entire life from that point through that. Um, and so that, that can be a limiting belief that, that basically you don't even take the actions to change because at a fundamental like core level, you don't even believe that you can or that you should or that you deserve to. And I suppose that was the next epiphany. That's more of a recent one, the past year or so. And that's that's what's created the change in how I work. Um, yeah, it's this idea that our thoughts are self-talk. And I got back into, I'd studied psychology and I kind of gave that up to do physical therapy. And I'm going back towards that uh, because what I've, what I've learned from dealing with people in pain is that I've never seen a chronic pain issue that wasn't intertwined or entirely rooted in a mental or emotional experience or component. Um, so it's not necessarily, oh, I was in a car crash, I had a concussion. It's, I was in a car crash, I had a concussion and my brother died. You know, that's, that's a bit grim, that's a bit, um, it's quite sad. Uh, but that these things happen. So it's not it's not the physical damage or it's not that I was in a car crash and a bit of glass, you know, got embedded in my, you know, in my cheek or whatever. It's the fear of death and the reliving of that experience and the panic 
surrounding you know the accident being being you know taken out of the car by uh, the fireman by the ambulance being driven to the hospital thinking you might not live thinking maybe the other people in the car might not live that's the issue and that you know it's not that you have a, a laceration to your to your cheek or that you broke your you broke your collarbone uh, during that injury you know and, and those things matter but it's it's rooted in um, an emotional component of that how you process it how you uh, how you um, perceive it or how it has affected your life since so an example i use a lot is you're the star football player captain of the team playoffs are coming up you're gonna you're gonna win you're gonna win the whole thing and then you're gonna be drafted to play for the best team in the world all that's going on your entire life is is um, built around that that's your identity you're part of the club you're the go-to guy and then you have this really bad injury and you rupture your acl and that's one thing but really what's happened is that you've been suddenly taken out of that world and now you're an outsider in that world and a few things can happen at, the, at this stage but you can never really get back into that and you can always be the person who distanced, distanced themselves from that and that, that's sort of what I did with um, with sports you know I kind of said I'm not going to do sports that's not me anymore um, and I didn't want to do that but it just seemed like a like a practical thing to do and just you know just decide now you're not going to be able to do sports because anytime you do sports it, it hurts and you get worse and you get you know um, you get off track um, for, for weeks or months so just focus on what you know you can do even though this means so much to you um, and, and that's just what, what, what sports or what outdoors or being active meant to me. Then there's all the other benefits of simply moving. Like this is around the time that, you know, I, I gained a lot of weight. Uh, I started having a lot of other health issues that would have been partially mitigated by the fact that I was active and I was doing things I enjoyed. Um, so long story short, um, your pain is generally, particularly when it's lasted a long time, it's rooted or deeply intertwined with emotions with ideas with memories with you know the sight of your mother crying when she heard that you'll never walk again or the sight of whatever it can be an image it can be a sound it can be you know I heard things like you know when your mother told you your parents were getting divorced it's that like it's those words the words or how she looked um, or the doctor saying, ooh, this doesn't look good, or the look of concern on his face, or your friends looking at you a certain way. It's all these sorts of things, and that's what it's about, and that, that, that creates stress in the body, and it, it, also, it also prevents you from doing things, because you want to avoid that at all costs. You don't want to experience that again. So you just distance yourself and you build a wall around that and you, you live your life around that. And so when, when you go, say you go to a physio and they're like, okay, you're gonna have to do this exercise and these stretches and, or even if they're good at their job and they say, so you need to change your diet, you need to do this, you need to get better sleep. You might not do that. You might self-sabotage because you don't want to relive or you don't want to go back into that world and risk being hurt again. Um, so let's see how we're doing on time. Coming up to an hour. So I might, I think I'm going to wrap up there. That's a lot of stuff to digest. Um, so essentially that's, that's my experience of pain. That's, that's, you know, there in about 15 years of being in pain, dealing with pain. And then since overlapping with that and since then studying pain, studying different methodologies, trying all the different things and not being always, basically one thing I'd say is good about me is that I've never been, I've never had an allegiance to one thing. Um, I know some people, they go into courses and they, they just buy in and that's it. And 
then they become blind to the shortcomings of that methodology. Um, or they want to justify the amount of money they paid to, <laughs> to, to learn what they learned. And I suppose that's a good thing for me is that I've studied a lot of stuff and I've spent a lot of money and there's more stuff that I've given up and that I just don't bother with than, I, than I've actually kept. So through all of this, through all of these years, I've learned, um, and this is just my experience, but I think, I, think, I think there's a lot to be learned from it and it should be the experience of a lot of people and that's why I'm sharing it. But the, the, the major lessons from this and the major takeaway points for you, I would say are, you're not going to get better until you're not going to truly get better. You know, so by that, I mean, stop the issue once and for all and live a better life rather than managing it better. You know, I don't have back pain anymore, but you know, every now and then it shows up. Um, so you're not going to get fully better, like put that issue to rest until you are 100% responsible and in control of your health and the world. So ownership, it's that first thing you need to take ownership. That doesn't mean you can't get treatment. That doesn't mean you can't get help. Um, people can guide you in that. And that's, that's what I got. And I still get treatments every now and then, but I understand it in that larger framework. I'm taking control. I'm facilitating change. And these are merely things that help me with that. They assist me in that. Um, so that's the main thing. It all comes down to stress. We can't outsmart that. We can't, it's just a biological law. If you've got a thousand euro in the bank, but your life costs you 1500 euro, you're going to always run on a deficit and your body's just going to find a way to make that work uh, because it needs to survive and it needs to keep going. Uh, but that's going to come at the detriment of your health. And that includes pain, that includes uh, health issues. So that's just it. You can't, you just got to accept that. Um, and it's not about the therapist. I kind of touched on that there. It's about the right relationship, how it fits into your life, how you, you know, for example, I went to see a craniosacral therapist there on Friday. It was excellent, but I'm not going to tell you that craniosacral therapy, it wasn't even craniosacral therapy, it was body intelligence, something or other, uh, no disrespect, but it's a form of craniosacral therapy. I did that. It was excellent. It was really good. I had a really good rapport with the therapist, but I went in knowing that I just want an hour. I just want more awareness of my body. I just want someone to help draw my attention to certain things and guide me and create an environment for my body to, to just take a bit of time off because I've been quite run down recently. Uh, and that was it. I didn't go in thinking they're going to fix me. They're going to clear my chakras and whatever. Um, I had the right idea. Um, so that would be the thing. Don't become dependent on your therapist. Don't think you need the therapist to click you back into place or to realign you or to remove your, you know, ghosts from lives past or whatever you believe in. Um, and you're, you're welcome to believe that. Just understand that it's up to you. You have the ultimate control. You need to faci facilitate that change. Um, yeah, so those are the, the major lessons. Um, I think I covered everything. If you've watched this far, that's pretty cool. I, I really appreciate that. Now I'm thinking no one's going to watch this. Um, but yeah, if this sounds interesting to you, if you're ready for this level of detail, let me know. I've got a lot of free resources. Um, that's, I'm going to mention this. The major thing I learned is that the tools for change are really cheap and they're within you and they're probably right under your nose. Um, it's not about a foam roller, it's not about this, that, and the other. Those things can help <coughs> and all that. But it's all within you. And not in any mystical way. It's all within you or it's all, you know, near you. Um, so... I've lost my train of thought again. But anyway. You... <laughs> yes, I've got free resources. And it's kind of spelled out for you there. And so have a look at them. I'll link them in the bottom. It's my free ultimate guide to pain. There's tons of information there. It's free. So people don't tend to value it. And that's, that's another thing I'm trying to figure out. It's complicated. If you don't pay, you don't pay attention, but, um, 
stuff's there. I'm working on some courses because, again, I think if we just educate people, if we just change the way you think about things, suddenly, suddenly you're you're seeing the world in a, in a different way and you've got a completely different experience and you're no longer in pain and you've got control. So I'm working on a course for that and that's going to be up soon. And maybe if you're watching this in a few months, the course is out now. So check it out. Go to my website, check it out. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Ask me questions. If you have requests, mention them to me because I love talking about this stuff and I love helping people out. So yeah, because the answer is, the answer is usually very simple. It just takes a bit of time <clears throat> and work to create the change, but it's usually very simple. So if you've watched this far, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, check out my resources, follow me on Instagram, on all those things, share this, and I will see you in the next video. See you.